Welcome to The Corporate Middle, your survival guide for corporate insanity. Welcome to The Corporate Middle. I'm your host, Donald Metter. My goal on this show is to give you some actual advice you can put into action as a middle manager today. Now, one of the things we're going to talk about today is, unfortunately, a harsh, well, a very harsh truth. Working for another human being is terrible, simply for the fact that they are another human being. They can be irrational, illogical, and prone to just some terrible ideas. And the worst part of it is that they directly hold the key to your success. How hard you work, how great your results are, well, they don't matter that much if your boss doesn't like you. This is not really a fun concept to talk about, and you know, kind of can be a little depressing, but there's good news. All hope is not lost. There are some things that you can do to kind of mitigate that damage that can be caused by your boss. Uh, and you can do that by understanding, you know, their base motivations. You know, why are they there? Why are they, why do they do the things that they do? And so we're going to talk about that today and how you can actually use that knowledge to your advantage. To manage your boss effectively, you need to understand their most base motivation. The truth is, your boss is actually a very simple person. Your boss ultimately only cares about one thing, themselves. You know this instinctively, but you know we like this concept of our boss caring about us and our career. You know, we, we like that idea of this great leader helping us along, and that's great. Uh, there's some good bosses out there, but when it comes down to it, the boss is there to get paid, just like you are. They are always going to protect themselves over you. Now, there's a book called The Power of the Subconscious Mind, and in it, it says this, the instinct of self-preservation is the first law of nature. Your strongest instinct is the most potent of all. There it is. Self-preservation is the most powerful and it's human nature. There's nothing wrong with it. The people on your team that you know work for you, they want to look good for you. Your boss wants to look good for their boss and so on. It is a never-ending hierarchy of everybody trying to impress the person above them because their paychecks depend on that. In order for you to understand your boss, you need to understand their most base primary motivation. It's self-preservation. They may be nice and friendly and they care about you in the one-on-one -on -one meetings and, and all that fun stuff, and, and that's great. But look... I promise, if they're told they need to fire you or lay you off, they're going to do it in a second. Understand what the reality is and don't overplay <laughs> the value you think you have, not only to your company, but to your boss. There's a uh, Monster.com poll that uh, showed you know, how many people actually think their boss cares about them. 72% responded, they don't feel like it. They don't think their manager or supervisor is really interested in their job growth at all. You know why they feel that way? Because it's true. Your boss doesn't care. I had a one-on-one uh, -on -one meeting with an executive director uh, that I worked directly for, and I was talking about 
you know, my current role and, and, and where I wanted to go and the things I wanted to do. And, you know, as I'm going through those things, he, he kind of stopped me uh, and he said, listen, the first thing you need to understand is no one cares about your career but you. <laughs> I, I admit at the time, it really kind of caught me off guard, just the candor that he was displaying. But after the shock wore off, I realized what a gift that was and what great advice he had given me. And so I want you to say it with me right now. No one cares about your career but you. That's actually, it's, it's kind of freeing when you think about it. And if you can understand that and really embrace the reality as it is, you can move forward understanding that the ownership for your career, if you're successful, is really up to you. Sitting around and, and waiting for your boss to help you or, or things like that, I mean, that's great. Uh, but the truth is, it's not really going to get you anywhere. You have to learn to work with the way reality is. Now we know, okay, we figured it out. Our boss's primary motivation, self-preservation. So what do we do with that? Your boss only cares about how they look to their boss. So what you've got to do is figure out what are they measured on. So how do you know what your boss's goals are? You ask for them. What does his boss want from him? I have seen countless times where the mismatch of what you think they want and what they actually want has led to some less than desirable results. And, you know, I've never understood this, but for some reason, bosses can be a bit cryptic with this information. Uh, the easiest way to get around this uh, is to actually list all of the current things that you're working on. Then you want to set up a meeting to kind of review those one-on-one -on -one with your boss. And, and the purpose of this meeting is to let your boss prioritize everything for you and everything your team is working on. Hey, boss, here's a list of everything I've got on my plate currently. Where do you feel I need to be focusing the majority of my time? Or conversely, you can walk in and say, hey, here's everything I've got on my plate. These top three things are where I really should need to be focusing. Do you agree? This meeting is, is not really for you to talk, right? I mean, you're, you're there to listen. In doing so, you're going to uncover exactly which project or task your boss actually cares about. Maybe not exactly what uh, is in your performance agreement, but what they really care about. I know I had multiple major projects I was working on one year, and, and uh, they were all concurrent and they were all super important, but only one of those actually was on my performance agreement. And I remember distinctly asking my boss this exact question in this exact scenario. He actually picked one of the other projects as the one I needed to focus on because that's the one his boss was bugging him about. Had I not had that conversation, I would have picked the wrong one, made the wrong assumption about which one mattered the most. Understanding those expectations and what he's being judged on is a huge part of not only making him successful, but you as well. We had a new directive come down where you know, it was decided that we needed to combine multiple teams in, into one. And so this new team, uh, this combined team, was going to fall under me. I was going to go from managing eight people to 19 my scope of responsibility and, and workload was was going to triple. Thankfully, uh, it did come with a promotion uh, and a pay raise. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. That's not how that works. Uh, so I called up my director and, and I let him know that, you know, this, this is going to be a challenge to handle that many people and still deliver on the same number of projects and objectives that we had before. And I barely got the words out of my mouth 
before he said, well, that is just the nature of the business. That's what we need today, and so we need to find a way to make the best of it. I was candid about the issues. I thought I was doing a good job being persuasive about the challenges, but what I realized is where I went wrong was I jumped immediately to my opinion. I never asked how he felt about it. I immediately started to jump into the fact about, you know, the bigger team, the more projects, you know, all all the things that I felt were obstacles. And what I should have done is reached out to him and said, hey, what do you see are the opportunities? And once I did that and realized my mistake, he immediately started launching into the fact that, you know, with this bigger team, we could take on these bigger, more ambitious projects. Bingo. That was the right question. The boss wanted to get noticed through this new bigger team. Even though the business reason was efficiency, the real problem my boss wanted me to solve was his own visibility. He didn't care about saving money. He wanted something big and flashy. This is a great illustration as well that you know the stated motive for a change uh, may be true at a business level, but it may not be true for your boss or your situation. What you actually want to know is what your boss feels about the scenario. It may be two separate things. You've got to understand your boss's goals and expectations. You've got to ask those vague leading questions because people love to give their opinion and, and your boss is no exception. You want to ask him, hey, what opportunities do you see in this? What is the primary benefit? Hey, I think I see this value here. What do you think? The results of these questions are going to be a great indicator of exactly what expectations your boss has for this project or decision, whatever you're facing. Using that information can determine how next you need to proceed. So we talked about what the boss's motivations are and and, and really where they're coming from and, and helping you understand what those expectations are. Your goal in life and how you're going to be successful is to fundamentally convince someone that doesn't care about you that much that you're amazing. Now, all bosses are different. And they have different wants and motivations and desires. So I don't pretend to have all the answers or be able to understand every situation. But what I'm going to do is is tell you a few things that have worked for me over the years. Uh, and, and I've worked for some terrible bosses. And I've worked for some great bosses. But I have seen some consistent things work for me. There was even a situation where due to multiple company reorganizations, I had five different bosses in the span of 18 months. And even with those short-term bosses, I've seen a couple things that have worked for me well traditionally, no matter how horrible or great the boss is. So I'm going to give you a couple of those top three that I found that work. The first thing is you want to ask them for their advice. You want your boss to be invested in your career. You have to make them feel like they're going to be a part of your success. You do this by asking for their advice. Allison Woodbrooks of Harvard Business School talks about, you know, we've got it all wrong about asking for advice. We worry that people won't think we're competent if we have to ask for help. But, you know, honestly, the opposite is true. She says, this is because being asked for advice is flattering. It feels good. They're asking for my advice because they think I'm smart and I know the answer. And they think they're smart because I'm actually going to tell them things that will be useful and help them to do better. You know who likes to feel smart? Everyone. Especially your boss. They like to be thought of as a great leader. You don't want to misuse those interactions, but 
Strategically placed questions is going to allow your boss to feel a part of your success. Then they're going to be happy if you do well because they feel like it reflects on them and their amazing leadership. As we talked about, you know their motivation is themselves. It's self-preservation. So the only way they're going to uplift your career is if it somehow also uplifts them. That's how it's going to work. So some great questions that you can ask is, I've learned so much in this job. What do you feel I should focus on next? Or how about, these are some great opportunities in the companies right now with all of this growth. What do you think is the next big opportunity for us? You give them a chance to talk about how smart they are. And if you take action on any of their advice, they get to feel like they've directed it and and they're really the cause. It's a win-win scenario for both of you. So don't be afraid to ask your boss for career advice. Even if someone you don't really care about their opinion, that's okay. It's important to get them invested and involved with ownership, not only in your career, but in you as well. The next thing you need to do is protect them. Even if your boss is a complete jerk, your job is to protect them when everything goes south. Do you think that anyone gets very far pointing the finger at their boss? No. Why would I want to hire someone that had just made their previous boss look bad? You know, I remember very clearly interviewing a candidate for one of the open positions that I had. And, you know, when I asked him the typical question of, you know, why are you leaving your current job? He went into this long-winded explanation of how incompetent his boss was. Do you really think that's someone that that I wanted on my team? Someone who comes in and just starts complaining uh, and going on about how you know his or her boss is just not going to be be good and is really the issue? It's important to deflect that attention. That's not someone that that I would want. I mean, if I'm going to be that person's boss, how long is it going to be before they're doing the same thing to me? Because of that, not only do you not want to complain about it, but when things do go bad. You want to try to make sure you keep as many variables as you weigh from pointing to your boss. Whether you like it or not, your success is going to be tied to your boss's success. So when you build those lessons learned, you want to make sure that, again, your boss is not explicitly pointed out as the issue. Instead, you want to make sure that the causes or the obstacles were due to some unforeseen or unavoidable issues. Let's run through an example real quick. This project is in jeopardy due to resource constraints. Now, the real story is that your boss just planned horribly, but you can't say that. You you can't come out and just point that out there. So you want to let them know that, hey, there were some resource constraints. There wasn't much we could do about it. Here's another one. The deliverables for this project turned out to be larger than anticipated. And the truth is the boss just, he he overpromised and overworked everyone. And I've seen that happen many times. But again, that's not something, one, you can do anything about. And two, you really want to point out. I could go on and on with multiple examples. But key point I want you to understand is without pointing out the party who is directly responsible, you need to illustrate what the challenges were. And look, this is really irritating and is not a fun thing to do. But you got to suck it up. If you protect your boss, they're going to be more apt to protect you. At some point, you're going to screw up and you're going to make a bad decision and the failure is going to be your fault. 
you're going to hope to get that same reciprocity when you make a mistake. Never throw your boss to the wolves. It's only going to backfire. So why do we have to do all this? Because, you know, again, like I said, you're going to need grace for the inevitable mistake. And when things come down, whether it's stack ranking or, or things like that, whatever it is, layoffs, you want to make sure you're not at the bottom. And I promise you, someone that protects their boss will not be at the bottom. They will remember that. If your boss likes you and you make their life easier, they're going to cut you some slack. And, you know, whatever happens is going to be a bump in the road. Star players are going to get better treatment. The truth is, in your job, you are a human shield. So you've got to use that to your advantage. And the third thing that's really important is to share what you know. Almost every bad decision that I've come across in my career is usually because of some sort of asymmetrical information. Either the boss knows something that you don't, or you know something that they don't. Your job is to make sure that it's never the latter. You've got to prevent your boss from doing something stupid. The only way you can prevent them from that is to make sure they know everything that you know. A candid relationship with your boss will do wonders for your career. Helping them to understand what the challenges the team actually face is a big deal. You have to remember a lot of the decisions are made disassociated from the actual effect of those decisions. They're making decisions they don't have to themselves live with because it's only going to affect frontline employees. Making sure you communicate, hey, here is what the effect of this decision is in a neutral tone, not saying is it good or is it bad. It's very matter of fact, here is the effects I see from this decision is going to make a huge difference. Now, a lot of times they can't do anything about it. Sometimes those decisions are made in, in well above them or things like that. But it's important to make sure, again, they know what you know. As long as your boss doesn't have surprises from you because you haven't communicated, is going to make a huge deal. Again, this is trying to mitigate that damage and make sure your boss is aware of what is going on. You don't want to surprise them with information that you didn't share. The most important person in your life is not your spouse or significant other. It's your boss. The truth is, you're going to spend way more time at work than at home. So you'd better hope that you have a good relationship with your boss. Or the frustration is going to just leak into other areas of your life. You have to make your boss an ally. When it comes down to it, your boss is a simple person and wants the same thing everyone else wants to protect their job. Keep your focus on making them successful and solving the problems you're supposed to. If you make their life better, they will in turn make your life a little less awful. And this is not some overnight solution as, you know, building a relationship does take time. However, if you lay that foundation, not only is your boss going to be successful, but you'll be too. You want to make sure that you're asking them for that advice. You want them to feel smart. You want them to feel important. You want them to feel a part of your career and your success so they can share in it. You want to make sure that you're sharing everything you know so that you can protect them when things go south. It's important to do these things and to understand, again, at the core, as much as it may hurt to think about, your boss and your company don't care about you just a whole lot. So the way to be successful is to make sure you align yourselves 
with them so your success can also be their success. Now, we've talked about all this, and honestly, it doesn't make a bad situation or a bad boss easier to endure. And that's certainly not the intent of what we're talking about today. And we will talk about that in some future episodes. But it's also important, I want you to really take this away as well. Your boss, your current boss, and your career are not the same thing. Who you're working for right now, that individual, if they're terrible, is not going to be your boss forever. There's going to be a reorg, or they're going to leave, or you're going to leave. So it's important that you don't have to focus on your boss that much. Focus on yourself. Make sure your work is top-notch. Understand the actual situation you're in and realize that this situation is an opportunity to learn and grow and do better next time. Face reality as it is, knowing you need your boss to understand you're on their side, your boss's success is also your success. Thanks for listening today. Now, I love answering pressing middle management questions on really just how to get through your day. We're going to figure this out together, what works and and doesn't work. And if you've got a question you want me to answer or just a crazy story you want me to share, head on over to thecorporatemiddle.com or just send me an email, donald at corporatemiddle.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And remember, the reward for good work is just more work. See you next time.